Hey everybody, welcome to the in between. Uh, we we have a interesting podcast today because actually we're all doing this remotely. The recording is the only thing that's happening in the room that we're normally recording the podcast in. But Chris and I um, are in Nashville right now um, at a at the Sing conference. Um, we're not actually at the scene. You're say that's complicated too, <laughs> because that's all online <laughs> as well. It's just a huge mess. There's no, there's nothing really makes sense anymore. But <laughs> and to top everything else off, the piano music at the beginning, we didn't get to listen to yet. Colson's going to have to add that in later. So that just throws off everything, everything about this podcast. I mean, if it, if this goes badly, it's it's you know why. That's right. No, all, all of you who listen. Because we did it. That's right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we all need a little comfort right now. That's right. So it's a good thing we're talking about prophecy. That's right. Wait, that's not how that works, John. Prophecy's prophecy is to, supposed to be scary. Yeah, it's it's the the Halloween version of that's right. scripture, right? I remember um, probably the biggest... Uh, um, surprise I had whenever I was going through um, classes in school that were talking about prophecy was that um, prophecy wasn't the same as uh, um, eschatology in times. Yeah. It, it's it, that those aren't the same and that uh, prophecy isn't, isn't uh, supposed to be like a, uh, um, Dad, gummit! The, what's the word that you used on Sunday? The that it's not supposed to be like a, or that Chris shared used on Sunday is it's not supposed to be like a, a fortune telling. Mm, okay. Um, and that not all prophecies about something way off in the distance that mm-hmm. they're supposed to be fulfilled immediately. Some are. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's. Whatever. I, for me, the biggest surprise <clears throat> was to learn there were different theories on them. Because I was very much so raised with, even in the church I went to that was a healthy church, a good church, I was raised with, this is what these mean. Mm. And this is how they unite. And so those of who were here when Chris shared, preached last Sunday, that giant, confusing, contorted timeline Thing, but had arrows and pictures and not and monsters and statues. Like I grew up very much so with something like that in mind. Like this is the way all these work together. This is how they. This is the concept. This is how they play. And uh, and it really wasn't until seminary and a professor named Dr. Tommy Lee who kind of shattered all of my. I, I think I really thought that somewhere in the Bible was a graphic like that. Like somewhere, you know, Revelation 12 had a graphic in it somewhere that showed the wedding feast of the lamb and the beast. And I was so disappointed to have a professor uh, not after the, after the book of maps. That's right. Before you get to index. Yep. It was, it was really tough. I mean, I was dragged kind of kicking and screaming into the belief that there isn't only one answer to all of these. No. I remember I had it. I had a professor in college, uh, Dr. Pate, and he was 
writing a book, um, which is no surprise for him. I think every time he turned around and sneezed, a book fell out, but he's just one of those guys who's just authored a ton of things. Um, but he, he had a book, uh, entitled Iraq, uh, and the new Babylon. Um, and he did some, some, it was, a, I guess, a, n- a number of, of talks and things that he had put together that turned into the book. But in the material, that was kind of what led him to uh, publish this. He essentially went through and, and, and took the um, kind of major, major kind of thematic uh, pr- prophecies of Daniel uh, and showed how they all came to fulfillment. And I think the, the first one was, you know, starting with obviously the, the, uh, conflict in the Middle East, and he was kind of pulling in all these, again, reasonable and sound, you know, kind of seemingly events and kind of conclusions uh, and tying it to these symbols. And and it was kind of an odd thing at first because it was like, I don't, this is, it was very current and it was very seemingly kind of jumping on a bandwagon of popularity to just kind of point to all these events in this conflict. Um, but then in the next thing, he went and showed how all of those, how all of those same events uh, could be fulfilled using the same logic, same reason. And then this time, I believe it was all fulfilled in events before World War II. Um, and he continued that same thing again, doing the same thing with everything by the time Rome came about. And then um, did the same thing, kind of showing everything before the time of even the, the events of Daniel in the book itself had closed. Um and again, and I think that was helpful for me to see of like, okay, yeah, there, and his whole point again is, is to point to, he was, he was making the point that Chris kind of put said well on Sunday is that, um, we, we essentially are in the end times. This is all the, um, the end times. So of course there's going to be a, a reoccurring pattern or theme, um, of, of all of these things kind of coming to fruition until they finally do come, um, kind of in, in its total finality. Uh, but yeah, it was super interesting for me to be like, okay, yeah, there's more than just kind of taking logic and reason. And then now playing this mystery puzzle piece kind of fill in the, you know, fill in the gaps and kind of make something to work into a solution. Um, that even sounds really good, but again, doesn't just because it sounds really good. doesn't mean you get to put the stamp on, well, this is exactly what this is. That's a, that's a good reminder. I'm going to bring, if, if you could find even what book that was, Paul, I'd love to at least reference the title of that. I'm going to be talking about, you know, not to drop names or anything, but Jesus uses the term birth pains when he's talking about prophecy in Matthew 24 and stuff. And he uses that, though, this is just birth pains. It's the beginning of the pains or whatever. And, and that's kind of the model that, that I ended up accepting was, like your professor taught, like this, this is good. This has been fulfilled. It is at one degree or another, probably being fulfilled. And there will come a day when it will be fulfilled. And we see this, this pattern. What's the, the Bible project uses a term for that, that I like. Um, um, I'm blanking on it. I'll think of it. Maybe I'll think of it before we're done, but um, it's kind of like links that we jump over to and jump over to. And it's, it's the Epic that happens that gets told and told and told over and over again, not only in scripture, but in just in human history. And so it's natural that you would see that pattern over and over again. And then eventually there'll be a last one as part of our belief is that there'll be a last one someday. Do you guys remember, I don't know if you guys, you guys are probably too young. Um, You're born in like early eighties. So 
uh, <laughs> Colson's Colson's go like, nope. Um, so Colson, when were you born? Early nineties, early nineties, early nineties. So 93, 10 years, 10, 10, years. 10, 10 more years. So I'm, I'm probably, I'm 21 years older than you technically old enough to be your dad. Um, the, uh, um, I was probably married when you were born. Um, the, uh, no, it was December of 93 when I was married. So I probably was engaged when you were born, but the, um, uh, there was a book that came out 88 reasons why Christ is going to return in 1988. And it was a best selling Christian book. I mean, everyone was reading 88 reasons why Christ will return in 88. And then a few years later, for a long time, what I used to listen to one of my favorite books was a book that came out in response entitled 99 reasons why no one knows when Jesus is coming back. And he just debunked, this guy just debunked like one after another, each of these 88 things, like took them one at a time and just debunked the way that the person engaged with them. Um, and so anyway, it was, they're both good. I think I have both of them. I need to, I need to remember Sunday morning to go grab those books, my stack of, of newspaper prophecy books and bring them up on stage and uh, so we can have some fun with them. But yeah, that's, that's something we got always have to watch out for. <clears throat> Part of that is, I think, so it, it deadens you in both directions. One, you, you either don't think it, that there's any reality to needing to be prepared as Christians, that our identity is founded in Christ, that our life is built on following him, that we're inviting people to hear the gospel. Um, we're preparing to minister and provide and take care of people or so they either fail to do that because it's, it's, you know, such this pie in the sky type of idea or the opposite, which is all they can think about doing is digging a bunker and stocking it full of food and having uranium, whatever. And I don't know how they're going to keep out the demon scorpions, but, but the, uh, you know, whatever that type of thing is, it just is amazing how people seem to come at it from the wrong. Like John said a minute ago, it's the scary movie. It's the horror movie for Christianity, which is clearly not his purpose. And I thought Chris did a great job of wrapping up last week on that. And I will use some of that same stuff at the end of this week to remind people prophecy is about primarily about comforting us, not terrifying us. So anyway, that's good. How, um, when you guys see something, <clears throat> like when you see something in a newspaper or you see something in, a, no, no, no one reads newspapers. Colson, a newspaper is this, um, like paper document <laughs> that people used to read. They got it every day. And, um, so they listen to a podcast and that podcast, you know, says something about current events. Like, so, okay, we're seeing it now. I don't know about you guys. I have had more people reference Jesus coming back. Um, or something like that than, than ever. Like it's super common watching the combination of, uh, um, I don't know if it's more the riots or if it's more their fear of Trump or Biden e equally, or just the fact that our culture is falling apart or if it's people kneeling instead of standing or if it's same sex related, like, all of this seems to have people under the impression that this is, this is it because things are just 
scary. I guess that's the right word, right? Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uncertain. Yeah. Do y'all are y'all hearing that? Do you hear that from you know wives and friends and family and like this has got to be it? Surely Jesus is coming back now. Yeah, I wonder if it's kind of twofold, uh, kind of the same thing of the continued conversation of just kind of the natural flow of events. Uh, his, I just wonder if this is just kind of what everybody says. Like, if this isn't, you know, yeah, this is what we're saying now with these events that were going on. But when the last set of events were going on, that's what was said then. And then before that, that was what was said then. Um, you know, my grandfather, who uh, uh, passed away this past year, uh, he was, I mean, fully convinced ever since I, I can remember early memories, um, being a lot younger and talking to him and he was fully convinced Jesus was going to come back in his time, um, yeah. that he was not going to pass away before Jesus would return. And, and, and I think it was out of honest, uh, honestly, just a longing, a longing for a world that is right, not a world that was, that was wrong. And, uh, and, and I think that that kind of carries, I know that carries with me and as far as the sentiment goes, uh, but then also I think it, it goes to explain anytime that there's something that is wrong for those who have in this world, for those who have hope in the next world to come, that it, it just seems like a natural response to want to put those links together and say, okay, surely this is it. Okay. Let's yeah. hope this is, this is going to be kind of the end of the ends, you know, and kind of be able to get to where we know, uh, where we all want to be, which is not in this mess, but is in, in the next kind of form of glory. And so, um, I, I just think it's, it's that it's every major event and then everything that's coming up that seems uncertain creates in us this longing for kind of the actualized kingdom, uh, to come. Uh, and I, and I think it's a, I think it's on one hand, you know, again, it can be a, be a positive response. Um, it can be the right response. I think we're uh, supposed to be looking forward towards that to not be caught off guard. Um, and I think it is kind of then a, a, a reminder of our new wiring as a new creation um, to be living for not things of this world, but things of the next. Yeah. I've always heard, um, people say stuff like that, 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 that every Christian believes that Jesus is coming back in his time or, you know, sentiments like that. And I, I have always felt like the opposite, not, not that mm. every Christian doesn't, but that I, I've never felt like any kind of certainty that Jesus was coming back in my time. Um, and that may be because I just figured my time would be over by now. <laughs> You're gonna have to hurry. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things that always caught me as funny. And so I always, you know, whenever um, in our my church growing up, it always seemed like anytime we talked about revelation, especially, but any prophecy, that it was just a an excuse for people to argue with each other about things that I didn't. Uh, understand why they needed to be right about something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, it's always funny to me to hear, um, such strong opinions about things like that. Um, it makes me nervous, I think, because, you know, the, uh, the Pharisees had these prophecies 
that were pointing very clearly to Jesus and they missed him Mm -hmm. um, because they had already this understanding of what that was going to look like. And it was not Jesus. And so I think that there's a, um, there's a tension there where we need to be comforted by the prophecies of, of what's coming and being able to see those things happening as yes, this is a fulfillment. Um, and then inside of that, uh, um, same thought, there's, there's the understanding that this may not look like what we think it's going to look like. And our dependence needs to be on Christ and not our understanding of, uh, anything or, or our something that could be flawed. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, and again, if we were looking at the message of Daniel uh, in particular that we keep seeing over and over again, it's like the thing that we need to remember that it's like what we know is that God is sovereign. That's what we know. And then we're seeing kind of, again, an explanation of his sovereignty through these events, through the narrative and through these prophecies um, that all bolster that truth that he is in control. Um, but we don't have to necessarily know, okay, what's the fifth, you know, horn next to the, you know, top of, you know, what does this actually symbolize with this general and this legion? Like, that's not necessarily what we have to know in order to know God is sovereign. We just right. have to know God is sovereign and it is manifested out through all of these things in which we don't fully understand. Right. Yep. And that's okay. And, and that doesn't mean we need to panic. It, it means the opposite of panic. Right. That's well, that will be the, um, that was what struck me as so fascinating was when studying prophecy, the first time I had to really teach it and reading through the Thessalonians passage that talks about, you know, that the actual, where the rapture concept comes from that, you know, then the blink of an eye, you know, this, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and all these things. And at the end of that little section, Paul says, so comfort one another with these things. And as, as well as I had grown up, I don't think anyone had ever used that as a comforting teaching. Like it, it had always been either divisive and we're going to fight about this and we're going to, or it had been, you know, you better get your stuff in gear because this rapture could come at any second kid and you want to be left in the rated R movie when we all get raptured. And like it was, there was no like No, no, this is evidence that we're okay. We're okay. We're in the hands of a God who, who knows what's going on and he's, he's got this. And that's the evidence of this. That's what really what prophecy teaches us is he ha- he gets this. He's got it. He always did. He always will. You know, stop your panicking. All these other kingdoms are going to fail, right. and his does not. And his won't in the end. So, yeah, that's a – anyway. And then we'll jump into Daniel the next week. We'll jump into Daniel 7, and uh, it gets a little real all of a sudden. So everybody's, everybody's going to know more about Babylonian, Persian, Greek, and probably even Roman history than they ever wanted to know by the time we're done with this. Cause you, again, we, we, the birth pangs, the first birth pangs of these examples happened a long, long time ago. Um, a lot, somewhere between a lot and all of the prophecies of Daniel had been fulfilled at least the first time around before or with Jesus. 
And so 2000 years ago, these were you, if you were checking them off, have these things ever been fulfilled? You could have checked all of them off 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And again, like we said, that doesn't mean they didn't, they weren't going to get fulfilled again, but, and again and again and again. Um, so I feel like we've talked about this either on the podcast at some point or just us talking, but having a professor, like you talked about having a professor, he gave us an assignment for us to make all types of different people's names work with six, six, six. He just wrote a whole bunch of people. He gave us a whole bunch of names. and was like, see if you can use any you know, form of numerology. And one that stands out to me was Billy Graham was, could you, could you make Billy Graham's name mean somehow equal six, six, six. That was before we knew it was six, one, six, and it wasn't even six, six, six anyway, but it was amazing how easy. I mean, you could take anyone's name and just with a little bit of manipulation, be like, I knew it. It is is Billy Graham. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. Any, any, anything you guys think need to make sure makes it into this week's sermon. When you think about this stuff, scripture, Fine. We got to start that again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just want to reiterate how good a job Chris did. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Sherrod did last week um, in making sure that we um, understand uh, the reliability of scripture um, in these things. Um, I think he did a, a fantastic job uh, with that and, and getting to dive more into, you know, uh, Daniel's prophecies um, that we're going to be doing the next uh, few weeks on few weeks, months. I'm not sure. Um, on uh, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be good. And if we can remember that comfort, Mm-hmm. in the midst of it. I think that's honestly what we're all asking for in some way or another. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. And I think when we get to, uh, when we get to especially seven, you know, talking, this is one of those instances we've, we've said this before. And again, I feel like sometimes the, when we jump into the prophecy prophecy section, uh, this can be missed about just again, how beautifully Daniel writes this book, uh, that this book has these things just kind of woven in it, uh, that are just, uh, I mean, just stand out so well. And in this kind of, again, close of this Aramaic section, uh, you know, a lot of people really point to the chapters and I think Chris, you were going to, talk about their, or use the, um, Bible projects kind of graphic walkthrough, um, which I think does a good job emphasizing this as well. Um, but really the, the fancy term for it is the chiastic structure of, um, chapters two through seven, where two builds up and is mirrored by seven. Um, and so that's the you know same thing that you're going to get three and, um, the idea of, of three and six are supposed to go together and the main idea of four and five are supposed to go together. Um, but really, uh, how similar, um, two and seven, the dream from Nebuchadnezzar and now Daniel's dreams, um, mirror each other and kind of, again, pull this, this bookend, um, and give kind of more explanation. And so I think that is certainly a fun thing, um, to be able to just kind of highlight some small nuances in and to be able to kind of point to, uh, again, that this is, this really is not like a, a total jump. It's not like, okay, now forget everything you did in the first six chapters. 
because uh, now we're just going to get to the prophecy and we're going to look forward. It's like, no, 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 remember what we did in two, um, because this can be vitally important for so that we can kind of understand where seven's being presented to us in its right form. Mm-hmm. Yep, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're all looking forward to it. Yep. Um, it's fun to get to study the scriptures together, and we hope that uh, as we're studying um, and as you are um, applying these things to your life, that you will remember um, that Christ is in control um, and that we can uh, not only be comforted but rejoice um, in him even now, even in 2020. <laughs> 